Shock Sports Radio starts now. If Jason Tatum did not miss nine games, Jason Tatum would have been the number one pick in this draft. This guy had the knack, the ability to create his own shot. I, I think Pritchard was asking too much. Danny wasn't willing to give up. And that's just the way it goes. As a GM, your responsibility is to get the best offer out there. Yeah, that's my point, though. I think he's trying to you know, look at his career as a whole and say, I don't want to go 3-9. On this week, let's start around the pigskin. We got football coming up tomorrow night. We got the Chicago Bears versus Green Bay. We'll also get into the latest news. Welcome to week 14. Count it week 14 of Shark Sports Radio. Alongside of me is nobody. It's yours truly. Mark Loisel Jr., a.k.a. Shark, right here in the Ocean State. Thank you all for listening in tonight. Uh, As you may have heard, football is back, and the 2019 season will be kicking off tomorrow in Chicago. The Bears will be taking on the Green Bay Packers. And I'll also uncover the latest moves in the NFL, including a running back getting locked up for six years. No, not jail. We're talking contract. And we will also predict the NFL season. We'll get into all the accolades and awards coming up. So Zeke Elliott, as reported this morning, signed his six-year deal worth $90 million. $50 million of that is getting guaranteed. So it's right on par with Todd Gurley. There's a huge significance in regards to what Zeke Elliott brings to the table versus uh, Todd Gurley. I, I think Zeke Elliott's really, you know, just a versatile back. He can do a lot of different things, but he also takes – he doesn't take every yard for granted. He, he's one that, you know, he really uses his power and his skill and his speed um, to really get defenders faking one way, going another, um, just going through that – their defense, the, you know, the defensive line, they can't stop Zeke Elliott. And, and Zeke comes across that a lot. And I watched some highlights with my uh, colleague recently, uh, Bobby Lafredo. We are watching it, and it looked like Zeke really on third down really was the catalyst of that offense. He kind of connected with Dak Prescott in a way throughout his three years um, in Dallas, and I think Dak's really happy that Zeke's back, and of course Jerry Jones with more money in his pocket. But Zeke compliments Dak more than Dak compliments Zeke. And the reason why I say that is not only can Zeke run the ball extremely well, but he can also block for Dak. He can also become a viable weapon out you know into the backfield uh, really into the secondary of that defense he's he's shown it he leaps over guys he you know just trucks through them he, he tries to do anything possible to get that extra yardage whereas Todd Gurley really doesn't have the form of being a franchise back Todd Gurley if there was an example I'd say it'd be like Sean Alexander right just a back that you know gave it his all his you know four or five years and then really just couldn't do much with it because of injuries and 
when you have tendonitis in your knee, it becomes a, a huge problem from the athlete standpoint because you're utilizing those knees and those legs and those quads and you know those hamstrings at the most. So when I say that a running back only lasts till, I don't know, 31, 32 years old, it's true. I mean, Frank Gore is a rarity. Frank Gore has put up tremendous numbers, but he also has a serious background in staying healthy. Whereas Todd Gurley, you can probably see it at the end of this season. I'm not going to say at the beginning. You know, he'll be, you know, probably himself, but there'll be flashes of, oh, that doesn't look good, or he looks uncomfortable out there. So I think the value that Dallas got was really a steal because I think Zeke Elliott's one of the best backs in the game. And I've gone through it, like I said, prior, but also their offensive line. I mean, everybody seems to be on that offense clicking on all cylinders. Yes, we'll find out what that means in 2019-20 season. But I really think that moving forward, Zeke has the capability to really become the MVP of the league. And I'm going to say that just because there seems to be some kind of motivation in that dude that just he wants it more than anybody on that field. And, I mean, the past two years, his his uh, rookie year, he posted like 1,400, 1,500 rushing yards, maybe even 1,600, I forget the number. But that was 1,400 last year, and he got hurt recently. So it kind of makes sense from a standpoint, if you're Jerry Jones to buy in this guy, sorry, he didn't get hurt, he got suspended. That's one thing that you gotta kind of have to stay cautious about him uh, if you're Jerry Jones is because it's not the on-field issues, it's really the off-field. Can, can he stay out of his way, right? Can, can he learn to become mature over the you know, next couple of years? And to say that he can be a top three back is very relevant, especially this upcoming year. And he seems to be very comfortable. So Dallas, hats off to you for locking this guy up. I did use the term locked up because you guys always get caught with domestic violence, robbery, drugs, some kind of bad form, right? But it seems like Zeke is kind of, you know, fading into the positive direction. And and I think that's a good thing for, you know, Jerry Jones and Dallas. Another player I want to get into is Jared Goff. Jared Goff uh, signed his contract for four years uh, I believe it's $134 million, $110 million of that is guaranteed. Wow. Talk about a payday. Is he worth it? I don't see it. I think he just fits that scheme and he fits that offense perfectly. But if he was to be a free agent, whew, I would have too, too many questions with this dude. He seems to be indecisive. He seems to not have really the, the maturity of, of a quarterback just yet. And that uh, that's not to say he won't get there. It's just Sean McVay's really bringing in this guy and becoming a very, very solid coach and mentor for Jared Goff. I want to pump the brakes just because he's been in the league for how many years? Three or four years? Give the guy a break. I, I can't stand, you know, I can't stand when players beg for money. Zeke has done it. But I think Julio Jones is now the next one in line to get his payday. Um, But again, going back to healthiness, 
Jared Goff has stayed healthy. He has. And, you know, the combo of Todd Gurley and Jared Goff and that defense and Robert Woods, even from a wide receiver standpoint, they really have a good core on both sides of the table. What I want to see is really Jared Goff take off and explode. He's got to get to the to that moment. If you're going to be signing that kind of contract, you've got to be like Pat Mahomes-like. And Patrick Mahomes, my goodness, is he licking his chops. Because he's probably like, okay, whatever Jared Goff gets, whatever cost Carson Wentz gets, that's going to be set in the market. Man, I'm going to ask over the market because I'm worth it. And Patrick Mahomes has showed it. He showed it last year in the MVP-like season. A guy that has retired from the NFL is Andrew Luck, as we all know. I want to get into this because I think it's very important. I think a lot of people take really football players for granted. You know, they go they go through a lot. It is a 16 to 19 game season, but kind of have to just look at it from a broad standpoint and, and see what these players go through on a year to year basis. That's including injuries. That's including you know being away from their family. That's including traveling. That's including contract talks, agents not being happy. So they have to go through a lot. And I can kind of see where Andrew Luck's coming from. He's been injured, you know, consecutive years, uh, whether that's shoulder, whether that's hamstring, whether that's, you know, some kind of wrist injury. There's always something with Andrew Luck. And I think as you, you know, tally up the injury chart, it just becomes more and more discomforting discouraging at that to get back to where you were two or three years ago it's just it's very very hard to get up from those type of injuries and just keep on rebuilding and rebuilding and try to motivate yourself and it's a roadblock mentally it really is it doesn't matter what you do it doesn't matter if you go you know see a therapist or do yoga a lot of times you just can't control it because your mind is just focused on the injury. It's not focused on football. And Rob Gronkowski is the same way. You know, Rob Gronkowski has gone through a lot. So I would definitely compare, if I was to compare, like, obviously Rob Gronkowski put up numbers for the Patriots, but if you compare their, you know, both of their careers, they're fairly similar. And it's not shocking to me for them to, you know, say goodbye before 30. Uh, or even at the age of 30. I mean, Calvin Johnson has done it, so it's becoming a very popular topic. And yes, if you're the NFL, you got to be cautious because you could lose talented players early on in their career unless you change things up, you know, to fix the equipment. Hence, you know, the reason why Antonio Brown's going through this situation is because the NFL is trying to protect their players as well as they should. There also comes a time where it's, the product of the game. You know, back in the day, you know, 70s, 80s, 90s football was way different than what it is today. And so you you are going to see a lot of players use caution because of the research, because of the proven fact of long-term injury. It's long-term sickness. Like CTE is a huge thing in the NFL. And does it take priority? Most certainly. But is it also in players' heads? For sure. 
But I want to get into the age of guys like Zeke Elliott, guys like Julio Jones. It seems like, you know, when you're young and you're living it up and you're putting up stats, that doesn't affect you, especially if you haven't been that seriously injured. I mean, Julio Jones has had, you know, minor kinks here and there. But from an NFL product standpoint, you really have to feel for these old guys, I should say young guys, feeling old. And that's just the product of the game, like I said, the proven fact that this this game doesn't last forever. And, you know, Rob Gronkowski really doesn't want to play football anymore because he doesn't enjoy it. Same with Andrew Luck. You saw it in his eyes. He's like, God, if I keep going down this road, what am I going to do? So it is It is like you, you kind of have to look at it from a fantasy perspective because you're looking at it, no, no pun intended either, but you're looking at the game and you're saying, wow, these guys are so good. They're so great. You know, that they're – unbelievable at their skill you know that they, they went to college you know they gone through the ranks they earned their stripes but then you gotta look at the off field what what do they go through so I I think it's a double-edged sword it's tough because yes it's entertaining but two it, it's really like hard and like from a mental standpoint especially if you get concussions or even if you're having back problems or serious seriously injuries there, there happens to be, you know, just that huge obstacle that you can't get over. And I applaud Andrew Luck for taking that step and trying to go through his life and get it back on track. And then if it leads back to football, if he wants to become a general manager, if he wants to be a QB coach or a head coach, he has the ability to do so. But you only live once. So these guys are going through a lot of, lot of, um, a lot of mush, a lot of terrible, terrible times. But the only way you get back to goodness is leaving the game. And like I said, hats off to, you know, even Calvin Johnson back in the day, you know, Andrew Luck and, and Rob Gronkowski. Um, I do want to get into the Miami Dolphins. I know it's not a huge fan here in New England. Um, I am a huge Dolphins fan, but I want to get into – Really, the the verbiage that people are using when it comes to the Dolphins. I think a lot of people get caught up in um, tanking and, you know, rebooting and restarting and when two or three guys gets traded. So, for instance, I obviously know what Miami has gone through, right? They got rid of the coach. They got rid of the quarterback. They got rid of the front office. They really took a huge turn for the better. And the reason why I would say that is when you win seven to eight games, do you want to keep winning seven to eight games on a year-to-year basis? Or do you want to find the true talented players and give players shots? And I'll give you an example. It was uh, Egovin, the, the linebacker that Miami signed from the CFL. This guy is now the starting linebacker for the Miami Dolphins because he had such a, a f- awesome training camp and pre- preseason. Um, but it just shows that if you, if you get complacent throughout your organization and you're not looking for the betterment of your franchise, then what are you really doing? Are you, are you becoming an average team? 
Are you falling short every single year? Like the Cleveland Browns, for instance, they just built the thing from the ground up. And that's exactly what Miami is doing. And that's what exactly Stephen Ross has said. But I will say that they're not starting from ground zero. What they're starting from is, is a strong foundation. I don't think people realize that they still have viable pieces in on their defense and in the offense. So, for example, from a defensive standpoint, they have Rashad Jones, Minka Fitzpatrick, um, you know, Rayquan McMillan. They have Jerome Baker. They got Charles Harris. He might come along. Xavier Howard is arguably one of the best cornerbacks in the game. I, I just see Bobby McCain, a very uh, suitable contract for him at, at 5 to $6 million a year. And then from an offensive standpoint, you got Devontae Parker, Jakeem Grant, Albert Wilson, uh, Kenyon Drake, Josh Rosen's becoming the backup quarterback because Ryan Fitzpatrick actually earned that spot. He earned that spot because of his leadership, because of his maturity in the huddle. Josh Rosen's going to learn from that. And that's exactly what Brian Flores is doing. So is Miami tanking? No, what they're doing is just retooling. I want to use the word retool because when you tank, you get rid of everyone. They didn't get rid of everyone. What they got rid of is mediocre players. And Laramie Tunsil is a fantastic offensive lineman. Don't get me wrong. But if you can throw in Kenny Stills and get two first-round picks, one second-round pick, and then you also have two players coming your way, how can you say no to that? How can you say no to that type of offer? So I think Miami struck gold this offseason. I think Chris Gray and Brian Flores has hit the nail on the head for Stephen Ross to give them the benefit of the doubt and to have that visibility for the future. And I really think it's a strong commitment between these guys. And I think building forward, they do have a New England structure. And Brian Flores was in the system. Chris Gray was in the New England structure with Bill Parcells. So these guys have learned from really good coaches, very good coaches at that. So it doesn't surprise me that they're taking this approach. Yes, will it be a long process? For sure. Will it be daunting? Maybe this year. Maybe, just maybe. I will say, Ryan Fitzpatrick has been good in the beginning of the season. So if they go, hence 2-2 two and two or 3-1 and one to start the season, Josh Rosen can then come back and game uh, week 5 after the bye week against Dallas. That can happen. But Brian Flores has taken a slow approach because he wants to figure out what he's got. He doesn't even know. So let's give him, let's give these Dolphins a benefit of the doubt just because they're really like, it is a new roster because they're adding, you know, a significant amount of players in the offseason. But that doesn't mean that they can't be good. What that means is they're tired of being average. So with that being said, I, I think it's a great time and great opportunity to go through the division winners. Um, the AFC East, I don't know how you can go against the New England Patriots. I really don't this year, particularly. Um, I will say the Jets, they're not going to be like scary to me. I just don't see it. I think their offensive line's mediocre. You know, they got Sam Donald, they got Le'Veon Bell. They, they, do, they do have a strong defense. 
but that defense will get, you know, I think a little bit, um, you know, selfish. I think a lot of players will try to do too much. That's just the way, you know, those those type of uh, defenses go. If their names, you know, you really got to show up um, night in and night out. And I, I think Jets have it defensively. Just, again, offensively, they're just going to be mediocre. Bills don't have anything. And like I said, I, I pinpointed the Dolphins, but are they really going to win 12 to 11 games? Probably not. And if they do, it's lightning in the bottle. It is pure luck going into this year. How can you go against New England Patriots, Tom Brady, Bill Belichick? That's just that's just the name of the game. That's the name of the division right now. Um, AFC West, I got the Kansas City Chiefs. I, I think that's kind of a shocker. I, I think if you look at it from an L.A. standpoint, uh, L.A. Chargers, they tried so much, um, but yet they don't go as far. They really need to just focus on building off of Phillip Rivers' success. You know, that defense has to become top five in the league, and Melvin Gordon needs to be on the football field. But right now, I just don't see it. Um, so I, I think Pat Mahomes, I think Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, that defense, it's looking pretty strong right now. And I will say Tyron Matthew, he's going to have a great year for Kansas City. And I can see Andy Reid, you know, really bringing it to this this league and trying to win every single game on their schedule. In the AFC North, I'm going to go with the surprise here. I, I've been trying to go back and forth on really the Steelers versus the Browns. I'm going to go with the Browns. The only reason why I will is because I do have faith in Baker Mayfield. I, I think the talent is, is too much for him not to be successful, if that makes sense. Um, he's not Eli Manning. I mean, Eli Manning was atrocious when he was, you know, with Odell and he had, you know, Sterling Shepard. Did he win a, a, you know, Super Bowl championship? Yeah, but if it wasn't for David Tyree catching that ball, I don't think we'd be talking the same way. Um, I do think the, you know, the, sorry, the Steelers have a good running game. You know, they have a up and up uh, defense. But for the most part, I think across the board, I think Cleveland beats them in every single category. I think Nick Chubb could be a better running back than James Conner. I think Baker Mayfield can be a better quarterback. I think the secondary of the Pittsburgh Steelers is strong, but I also think that pass rush for Cleveland is going to make the secondary for Cleveland even more consistent and viable. Um, So moving on, let's talk about the AFC South. Oh, boy, is it a toss-up in the AFC South, especially now that Andrew Luck's out. I want to go with Houston, but Houston's offensive line is so bad. You know what? I'm going to surprise the world here. I'm going to go with Jacksonville Jaguars. Reason for it, their defense. I'm telling you right now, their defense is going to be top three in the NFL. And there's one name why that will happen. is Josh Allen. Josh Allen out of Kentucky, he's going to become the Khalil Mack of the Chicago Bears. He has that type of impact. He tackles forcefully. He gets after the quarterback. He doesn't care what offensive linemen he's in front of him. He wants it more than any other player on that field. He really is equivalent to Zeke Elliott running the ball. He's just a forceful guy, do anything to dominate the ball, to grab that rock and go go six. And I think that could happen. Um, NFC East, 
I, I think the Cowboys, uh, I just don't know how you can go against them. I, I'll give it to Philly. I really think Philly's putting together a nice little roster. I think Carson Wentz coming back in the fold could be helpful. But I got to see it to believe it. I just can't, you know, keep bringing in Carson Wentz and, you know, being hopeful about it. And, you know, he had an MVP-like season in his rookie year. But, I mean, what ha- what has he done lately? And what what he's done is, you know, staying injured. Um, so I, I need to show it. I need to see it, sorry, within the next, you know, five to six weeks to really change my mind. I think Dallas has some very, very um, important pieces on their offensive line, but I think their their weapons, they have an arsenal, arsenal of weapons. I'm talking Mark Cooper, Michael Gallup, um, you know, you even got Darwin, Pollard, they just, um, you know, picked up in the draft. They just signed Zeke Elliott, as I said, Dak Prescott. Jason Witten will be a great mentor for Darwin as well, so I think I think Dallas could really make some noise in the NFC, not even the NFC East. I think they could win at least, you know, 12, maybe 11 to 12 games. But that being said, I I think Philly's going to be right there too. Um, But I I got Dallas winning that division. NFC West, Seattle Seahawks. I I just think Seattle's due. Seattle's tired of, you know, the Rams making noise. And Arizona has Kyla Murray. San Francisco has Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy G., I, I believe I read this right. In training camp, he had five um, passes thrown, and he had five interceptions. If you're Kyle Shanahan, the head coach of the, the 49ers, what are you doing throwing the ball five times if he keeps throwing the ball away from his offensive players? I, I, I think he's got to really pinpoint what Jimmy Garoppolo's strengths are. And I think he also has to use his, his weapons. I, I think, you know, he's got a couple of good running backs. You know, Matt Breda's a good running back. Um, then they have that wide receiver, Pettis. Uh, the kid Pettis, he's a pretty good wide receiver. Um, so I think they're honestly, call it seven or eight wins. I, I just don't see 49ers making noise. And I think see, going back to Seattle, I think Seattle put their self, themselves on the map going to get Jadavian Clowney. I think if you have Clowney, if you have a good secondary, you know, you got Bobby Wagner, you know, for a linebacker, just gets after it. There's a lot of decent pieces on that defense that can really make L.A. a little bit soft from an offensive standpoint. I really think, you know, L.A. has a rude awakening because I think Seattle really wants it more than they do this year. NFC North, I'm going to Chicago. I, I think that's an easy, easy choice. I just don't see it with Minnesota. I think Mike Zimmer's on the hot seat. Um, I just think defensive-minded coaches sometimes don't really exist in the NFL. They they can't. You know, we'll see what Brian Flores does in Miami. But Mike Zimmer has the ability defensively. He just doesn't have it from a collective group. I like to see what they can do before I really throw them off the table. For now, I just think Chicago's an all-around team. I got to see what Mitchell Trubisky does, though. He needs a little more experience. He needs, um, you know, David Montgomery to run the ball well, Tariq Cohen to be, you know, that viable weapon. I look at Tariq Cohen as like a Tyreek Hill. And it's funny because Matt Nagy came from, I think it was the Chiefs. So he's used to putting guys in the position to really succeed – and 
is I don't think it's overwhelming offense by any means because I think they have, you know, they got Trey Burton and they got Allen Robinson. So I think if you're talking offensive weapons, I think uh, Minnesota definitely has the better hand. But Khalil Mack, I, I just I can't go against that dude. He he just scares me every time I watch him. Um, so I would hate to be on the field. Going to the NFC South. I'm picking the New Orleans Saints. I, I think it's their year. I, I think they're tired of just, you know, winning the NFC South and then blowing it up in the playoffs. And by blowing it up, I don't mean pun intended. I mean, they legitimately got blown up because of that pass interference call. That really hurt them. So, conference winners, I'm picking, yes, um, it's going to be the Chiefs and the Pats and the AFC. And then the NFC is going to be the Saints and Bears. And the Super Bowl, I got the Chiefs over the Saints. I just think the Chiefs have too many weapons. I think they got great defensively. I think Frank Clark and Tyron Matthew can be huge defensive players to uh, keep an eye on. Defensive player of the year, I'm going to go with Earl Thomas. I think he's due. He's back from injury. Um, He's in a new place. I think Baltimore has a really good player on their hands. You know, a guy that can really tackle hard, hard-nosed player, can kind of play like a safety cornerback kind of hybrid. Um, so it would be kind of good to see him, you know, in Baltimore flourish. And, and then from an office, offensive player of the year standpoint, I got Michael Thomas. And I think Michael Thomas has a big thing coming for him. I really think this year is going to be, you know, a huge year. It's not a breakout. It's a huge year. It's a colossal year for him. I think he has a huge impact on the Saints making it to the Super Bowl. And if we're talking breakout players, offensively, I got Duke Johnson for the Texans. I think he is massively overlooked. You know, him in Cleveland, he's always been behind backs. He's never had the time. You know, I think it's his time to shine. Will it happen? We will see especially for for the offensive line for the Houston Texans. It's not as good as it looks right now. So we'll see what uh, Duke has in mind. But, I mean, he's a versatile back, very elusive on the outside. He can catch balls. He's really going to be a huge fantasy player this year. Um, defensively, breakout player, Joey Bosa. I, I just think he is going to be massive for that defensive line with the Chargers, him and Melvin Ingram. What a tandem. They'll get after it. I think the Raiders are an easy team they can be. I think the only issue that they'll have is really the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, and I would I would definitely solidify, even with or without Melvin Gordon, I still think the L.A. Chargers are you know a wild-card team. I, I can't say otherwise. I mean, Mike Williams, you know, he's coming back. Keenan Allen, you know, have a really good year last year. We'll see what he can do. You know, maybe top off those six touchdowns that he's had. I think this year is going to be huge um, from a stats standpoint. I really do for amongst every other year. I think just teams are really buying into the process, their processes. I really think free agents are, you know, choosing the right team to join with strengths, with schemes. Um, so I like to see, you know, a lot of points being scored, obviously, anytime you have touchdowns, but you know, defensively, I, I think they'll be like top three to five teams that will be great defensively, that will have huge impact, will result in them winning a division. So um, tomorrow night is kickoff. 
I think it's 8 o'clock. You got the Green Bay Packers visiting Chicago, playing the Feisty Bears, Aaron Rodgers, and the new offense with Matt LaFleur. So I like to see this happen tomorrow night where Aaron Rodgers really brings it against Chicago. But he has a lot of pieces missing, especially from the offensive line. He might get sacked multiple times in the first half. And a big to-do will be because of Khalil Mack. So let's see what they're made of. Let's see what the, this NFL season will be made of. I think a lot of players will be made for this season, and they'll make or break their careers. Um, and I think Zeke Elliott's going to win MVP uh, for this season. So thank you for tuning in. Tune in next week.